Good evening, comrades, and welcome to the People's School for Marxist-Leninist Studies. Also, this is part of a long line of party-sponsored schools, from the Jefferson School of Social Science to the People's School for Marxist Studies to the People's School of Marxist-Leninist Studies. Tonight, like on Tuesday, our class will be on propaganda distribution. And our PSMLS classes that we have sometimes uh, where we have a PowerPoint presentation, that is what we have today to go over. Um, and we'll be hearing from some people who actually do go out in the street and do uh, propaganda distribution. So before I get started, I wanna hand the floor to uh, Comrade General Secretary Angelo so that they can say whatever they uh, please before we get started. I wanna welcome everyone to tonight's class. It's very important. This is a class of action, not just sitting down in a chair and theorizing actually show how do we go out there and work uh, in the real world, not sit on an internet, but go in the real world and put up posters with we pasting the way we've done since the first days of 1917. It was done that way. And um, I'm glad to see everybody. And that's it. Thank you. Have a nice night. And before I share this, uh, I want to ask comrades, if you can, take notes during this. Um, and when you're reading through this presentation, think about how you may be able to apply these things in your areas uh, with the work that you do for the party or the school or whatever have you. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and get started on the presentation. So propaganda distribution. What we'll be learning about is we're going to learn how to tailor propaganda to the situation. Uh, we're going to learn different methods of direct and indirect distribution. And we're going to learn how exactly we talk and interact with people when we are distributing. And these are going to be very important things because, you know, propaganda distribution uh, is not something that you just go and do on a whim. And you need to know how to interact with the public. Uh, who are trying to, you know, agitate, ed educate, and all that when you go out and do this. So on tailoring propaganda to the situation, uh, we need to think about the purpose and the content. So there's agitation. You know, there are issues that we need to uh, highlight the severity of, and we need to get the working class uh, masses riled up about exploitation, and about oppression, and we need to be able to get them, you know, uh, amped up for revolutionary action. Uh, but that's not all propaganda is. Propaganda isn't just agitation. It's also education. Um, here at the People's School, uh, we're doing educational propaganda. When we release classes on YouTube or when we release podcasts on Spotify for our classes, that's educational propaganda. And sometimes that can be, you know, infographic type posters or, or brochures or whatever. You know, a lot of the literature that we hand out would be in educational propaganda. Uh, and then we have calls to action. And calls to action are things like, here's an event that's happening that you can show up to. And it has the time and the date and the place and what to bring. Uh, sometimes it's a campaign or, you know, a petition or something. Here, uh, go to this website to learn more write to this congressperson, et cetera, et cetera. That those are calls to action. Um, and so you think about when you're putting up propaganda or when you're making propaganda, what your purpose is going to be. And then we have to think about the content. 
we have to account for the local ideology. Your propaganda is going to be different if you're in a rural area versus being in an urban area or even being in a suburban area. Um, it's going to be different if you're in, you know, say a southern city or a northern city. You have to account for what you're seeing around you in terms of local ideology. If things are a lot more progressive, you might be able to put up uh, more radical things. Um, if, it, if there's not a whole lot of progressive politics around you, uh, then you're going to have to account for that. And you might just have to stick to less, you know, triggering type things in those areas, especially like focusing on labor or something um, you can do in, in an area like that. Um, it needs to reflect immediate class interests. We're not putting up propaganda for rich people. We're not putting up propaganda for the bourgeois. We're putting up propaganda that is working class propaganda. And so it needs to reflect that. And, you know, that's that's our target audience pretty much no matter what um, is the working class. Um, and it needs to concretely advance our struggle because if we're putting out propaganda that isn't doing something for our movement, that isn't doing something for building socialism, then why would we put it, put it out? It needs to be thought through. Uh, it needs to be an organized campaign collectively. And it, it needs to help us get to, you know, our goals uh, as socialists. And with agitation, it's issue focused and to the point. You know, if it's something like wages aren't high enough, then that's what you put. You put something about wages not being high enough. You put something about needing more money for food on the table, that sort of thing. It's not it, it's not vague. It's it's one of those things that when somebody looks at it, they know exactly what the issue is and they'll get agitated. Uh, education, it needs to be comprehensive and ties to larger issues. So like with the brochures that we have, the brochures are pretty comprehensive in terms of the information that it's trying to convey in that small of a thing. Um, but it ties it to a lot of larger issues, especially commission brochures that go ahead and tie say something like the black struggle or the women's struggle to the class struggle. That's gonna be your educational propaganda. And with calls to action, they're immediate and directly relevant. Um, you know, you're not gonna put out uh, a May Day flyer uh, in October, but you know, you might put out something that's relevant when it comes to uh, the midterms or anything that's going on locally in your area or something that you actually wanna convey some sort of campaign. So we're going to go over a, an, a, an example of tailoring propaganda to the situation. Uh, this is one that was wrote up for this one. So, it, it, you know, just take this in mind. You could, you could look at it and decide if it's similar to your situation, or maybe you can think about uh, if it was more similar to your situation. So I'll go ahead and read it real quick. Local landlords have been raising rent across the board, which has resulted in loss of housing, loss of employment, and food insecurity for a large number of people in your community. You live in a mid-sized town that's largely conservative with what few progressive elements exist being confined mostly to progressive liberals and a few anarchists. People are upset about the rent increase, but many blame national politicians instead of the landlords and think landlords are just trying to survive. So how would you tailor your propaganda to this community? 
And how could the three types of propaganda we mentioned, agitation, education, and calls to action, be used together? And with that, we're going to go ahead and stop for a second for a round of questions and comments. Yeah, so lately, my son initiated a campaign of posting stickers in the streets. So we have done that here in Stockton and in Sacramento. We're going to keep doing it. And uh, you will see later on the videos on how we do it. And we hope that it's going to spread throughout California. And we hope it's going to spread throughout the United States of America, one step at a time. We're small and we have one way to go. It's up, just like Angelo always say. So let's do it, comrades. Thank you, comrade. At this point of history, we are faced with a highly sophisticated uh, inter-imperialist propaganda headed by uh, Europe and North America. And uh, they are also ostracizing and uh, attacking uh, American uh, progressive forces uh, by violating their uh, human rights and their for, for, uh, for rights am amendments. So this is like, this is becoming like a, a Mussolini state or a Hitler, Hitler state. And I think it has dangerous implications for this country. Thank you for that comment. I'm going to take a stab at the uh, example that you gave us. Um, I was curious as to what would make all the landlords sort of um, start raising all their rents at the same time. Um, quickly, I think that they may be doing um, a mass gentrification and that they're trying to make people move out. If that is the reason, then that would be the focus that we would be explaining to them that has nothing to do with foreign policy, but that it is just, again, their search for profits. And they came together, possibly colluded, and are now raising everyone's rent. That was just what I thought might be the, the case. Thank you for that, comrade. And also keep in mind, you know, when we were talking about um, who, what's, you know, our audience here? Um, are we are we trying to do propaganda uh, to landlords to get their attention uh, or to organize the tenants? And so that might also be one thing to take into uh, account and into mind. But also, you know, uh, how is your propaganda going to line up with other things that you're doing? Because you don't just want to put up something that's anti-landlord and then mess up any kind of steps that anybody takes to actually organize on that level. So just keep that in mind. Thank you. Um, taking a quick stab at this question, uh, assuming you're in, as you said, a mostly conservative area, you don't want to start immediately with agitation and calls to action as those types of things will often be met with uh, sort of uh, distrust. In that type of situation, um, I would suggest starting with educating both yourself and the people around you especially on the various types of tenant rights that people have and the various types of safety code violations and things that you can build off of. Uh, when people see that they have rights and that their housing has expectations, that's a great place to start. 
Then once you have people who are interested in the education you're putting forward, then it's time to agitate in the form of perhaps even, say, building a tenant union, which gives power to those groups of people within those areas. And then once you start that path, then that would be the call to action, so to speak. That would be the uniting of a tenants union and the action brought to the landlords to make sure that they are not breaking any rules as far as raising rates or not following through with um, keeping fire safety codes and various things along those lines. Taking a slightly different course, say you didn't have those other options, then once you are organized, you can also take those options to your local elected officials or to um, the landlords themselves and let them know that there is an issue with the current rent situation. But that's that's my stab at it. Thank you all. Thank you for that, comrade. That was a really good answer. Uh, yeah, I definitely support that uh, starting out with education uh, instead of jumping right into agitation and calls to action in an area like that. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. I can't get it out of my mind that that this Ukraine war is going on. And so I want to talk about that as the example, that uh, that we have to agitate with people to to oppose the war and to oppose this uh, the government's support of fascism in Ukraine, uh, and that we're sending all American weapons over there and draining the uh, the budget to support the uh, the fascists in Ukraine, and how this is leading to a lot of people being killed, and how uh, other problems like that are being raised. And so that's that's my agitational focus. And I want the people that I'm talking to to go to their congressmen uh, and complain about the situation and demand that they stop funding Ukraine and that we organize a demonstration over at Capitol Hill against sending out funds to Ukraine. And so this is the kind of stuff that I, that I would tend to talk about. Thank you. Thank you, comrade. And yeah, especially like on the Ukraine thing um, and, you know, tailoring it to your situation, you know, uh, it, it seems like, at least from what I've seen, a lot of conservatives will actually go ahead and see, you know, the Ukraine situation in kind of the right way, not necessarily um, because of their ideology, but just because of where they've been made to stand on it. And so if you're in a conservative area, you know, I, you might just be able to go ahead and put up the straight up agitational uh, call to action stuff. Um, if you're in a highly liberal area, uh, you might want to start with the educational approach and go, you know, tack on something that liberals care about, like homelessness or infrastructure and go, how are we sending billions of dollars to this government in Ukraine, you know, to fight a foreign war? Uh, but we're not investing in our people here at home and building it, it from there. Because, you know, if you go ahead and just put up something that says, you know, oh, stop the Nazis in Ukraine, then a liberal's just going to look at it and go, oh, well, Putin puppet put this up. Um, so, yeah, that, that would be my uh, spin on that. Yeah, so to set uh, this coming weekend, Saturday the 15th and Sunday the 16th, we are doing two events. We are participating to two events, one in Oakland in front of the federal building and one in San Jose at the Jimmy Dore um, comedy show thing. 
Okay, and it will be against NATO, against uh, the U.S. funding, the Ukraine-Nazi regime in Kiev. And one slogan uh, that we're thinking that we're going to uh, post um, on signs and stuff is like, uh, Biden hands Zelensky $100 million every 24 hours, defund Ukraine, defund NATO, cancel Zelensky. And those going to be pretty good. I believe people will wake up to that, you know, will accept that and support it. Thank you, comrade. Uh, hi, yeah, um, I, your comment about it seems like in places like that are more conservative, that they kind of tend to be a little bit more on the side of like not giving money to Ukraine. And, um, and I think I kind of agree with that analysis. Is that because um, typically the conservative side kind of has a little bit of like an isolationist um, view and sort of it's, to me, it's almost sort of like a, a nationalist view, like nation first. And that sort of is where that comes from, or am I reading that wrong? Thank you. I think another part of it, I mean, the nationalism could play into it, um, especially because, you know, you have this kind of uh, fine line, I guess, between conservatives and fascists. And so obviously a lot of the ones that go to fascism go there through nationalism. But I think also it's kind of of the liberal doing that a lot of these conservatives fell on uh, Russia's side because they constantly pushed these Russiagate lies for years during the uh, Trump administration um, and tried to uh, make it seem like Trump and Putin were best buddies. Uh, and so a lot of these conservatives went, well, if, you know, if the Democrats are all they're ranting, ranting and raving about is uh, Putin and Russia, then what's Putin and Russia doing right? And I think also, too, um, as time has went on, a lot of conservatives have got pretty pissed off at spending all these billions of dollars on war. Um, if you've ever met a conservative, uh, they like to complain a lot about taxes. And so tax dollars going to this endless slaughter uh, overseas is not something that a lot of them take very kindly. So now we're looking at methods of distribution. And we're gonna be talking about flyer posting, dead drops, and tabling. And uh, really quickly, we didn't go over this on uh, Tuesday, but these are just some examples of different things that we have distribute. You know, PSMLS flyers, different posters, things like new masses or uh, newsletters, linen, uh, like little stencils and stuff. So uh, with flyer posting, uh, there's a couple of methods that you can use. The best method to use is wheat pasting, making some sort of wheat paste out of flour uh, and different things like glue or what have you to make it sticky. It's an easy little uh, swipe up, swipe down, stick it up, swipe it again to make sure that it sticks and you can walk away from it. Um, tape and stapling, you should probably only use when you're about to like have an event or something and you want to go ahead and take the flyer down soon. Um, if you want a flyer to stay up, you probably don't want to use tape for stapling because it can easily be ripped down. If you are going to do stapling, staple guns are better than staplers. But if you have a stapler, just, you know, unhinge it and just press it into 
of the wood or whatever, use it like wooden telephone poles, public stuff, not private stuff on, on all of this stuff. Uh, put it up on public property, not private property. Uh, and also at grocery stores or visitor centers, different areas, you can find bulletin boards. And sometimes they have thumbtacks and you can post up a flyer. It could get torn down, but putting one flyer up and having it thrown in the trash is not going to be that much of a, a defeat. Uh, and then you want to take into uh, consideration a few things like location, um, where you're going to go ahead and put the flyer up, uh, good places like uh, public infrastructure, uh, electrical boxes, uh, the metal like light poles that sometimes have the uh, walk buttons that you push. Those are all good places. Um, like I said, you don't want to go and put it on a house or a private you know, fence or some sort of business. Um, you want to put it on public stuff. Um, and you want to be careful about it and smart about it too. Don't put something up right outside of the police station um, or a federal building or you know military or whatever. Uh, be smart about what you're doing. And with black and white or color printing, color printing is always best. It stands out. But if you're really strapped for cash and that's another thing costs, uh, black and white paper can be a lot more uh, cheaper and it'll still get it out there. Uh, you want to take into consideration how long will your flyer be up? Like I had mentioned over here with the, uh, you know, stapling and tape versus wheat pasting. If you want this flyer to go ahead and remain up for months and months to come, then you probably want to use wheat pasting. If there's an event that's coming up at the end of the month, you may just want to go ahead and use tape and stapling. But that's, you know, up to you and, and, and what you think on that. And then you want to take into consideration local hostilities. Uh, whether it be the police or whether it be fascists or anarchists, um, you know, you need to watch your back and be careful when you're out there doing these things. Um, and you need to make sure that, like I said, you're being smart about it. You know, when, when you do go out and do these things, don't look suspicious about it. You know, don't look everywhere and freak out. At the same time, I wouldn't just go out and do this in broad daylight when it's super busy and act like, you know, this is just a normal thing to do. Um, you know, go out when there's not too many people and just put the stuff up and, and go on about your day. And then we're going to look at dead drops. So dead drops are when you just leave things in certain places for people to pick up. So things that you can dead drop are brochures, uh, different brochures for commissions or mass orgs or the party or what have you. Uh, pamphlets, which, you know, a pamphlet is basically a, a flyer or something, you know, that's just one sheet of paper. You can leave that on a park bench or something. Uh, newspapers like The Worker or something like Labor Today, uh, those are always good to leave in certain places, um, especially because, you know, when people see it and they look closer at it and they see something like Party of Communists USA, uh, they'll for sure pick it up. Um, they might put it in the trash, but they might also take it home and read into it. Flyers, when posting them up, isn't an option. And, you know, if you if you put flyers up all around the city and you still have a couple to leave around. It's always good to leave them around. It doesn't hurt. And business cards, they're so small and easy to carry. You can, and cheap that you can get 200 of them and just leave them everywhere and people will see it and they'll go ahead and pick it up. And, you know, they might carry it around with them because it's so small and portable. And then where to dead drop workplace is always one of the best places you can do it. Um, especially if you have something like a labor publication, it, 
you know, I wouldn't just say, you know, walk in and go, oh, I've got this publication. Do you want to subscribe to it? But just leave it somewhere. You leave it outside on on like a counter or something. That way somebody can, you know, see it. And maybe they pick it up and they get interested in it. Libraries, go into a library, sit down, take one of the, you know, brochures out or something, read it for a second, and then go ahead and put it down on the table and walk off, go to another table and do it. Or go ahead and leave them on the uh, brochure racks that you see kind of like out near the entrance of a library. Uh, schools, you don't know whether it's universities or even if you can leave it near a high school, if you're a high school student or if there's some like bus stop or something that's near uh, where they're at. Uh, stores. Uh, sometimes they have, like I said, little bulletin boards in stores. Sometimes you can go walk in and if there's a place where there's already newspapers, just go ahead and leave it next to it. You know, if somebody picks it up and they bring it to the scanner and they go, oh, you know, we don't sell this, then hell, it's free. They can just go ahead and take it still. Public transportation, you can leave it on buses or trains. Commons areas, so parks, different places like courtyards, um, those are always good places and visitor centers, things like rest stops and, and tourist attractions. Uh, when people are out on trips or, you know, truckers or whatever, uh, they'll stop at these places and they'll see this kind of propaganda and they may pick it up. And then this is going to be probably one of the this is one of the most labor intensive things and one of the things that needs the most organizing. But it's also one of the most important things uh, for propaganda. Uh, tabling. So what you need in terms of material for tabling is, of course, a table and chairs. You want to probably have a foldable table that you can, you know, put up and take down uh, relatively quickly and easily. Um, you know, something that you might play poker on or something. Flag and banner. Those terms can be interchangeable or they can be something different. Uh, just having something nearby, whether it's in front of your table or nearby, like flagpole that somebody can hold and it can be going in the wind. It's always a good thing to have there with you. The propaganda, so any literature, any brochures, all these things that, you know, we're bringing up here, different forms of propaganda. A contact sheet uh, doesn't necessarily have to be a sign-up sheet. Sometimes you can leave that as an option, you know, or check this box if you're interested in joining. And some people will just want to stay in the loop and that at least, you know, gets our name out there and our content out there more. Um, snacks, water, dog treats, coffee. These are things that will attract people at least to your table, especially dog treats. People are always out walking their dog. And when I was doing uh, food and literature distribution drives in Coos Bay, was one of the easiest ways to get people to come up is just asking if their dog wants a treat. And there was also a first aid supplies. And then, and, and you just want to have that there just in case something happens. It doesn't even need to be violence that comes to you. There are medical emergencies that happen all the time for different reasons. And it's good to have that with you. And then for personnel needs, you'll want to have a speaker. It's good to have a security person, preferably two. And those security people need to always be with the group. They don't need to go out and do their own thing. They need to stay with the group and protect them. And they need to de-escalate. Uh, that's going to be the main thing. Uh, not going out and starting conflict, not, you know, trying to act all hard and, and you know, machismo. They need to actually do uh, their role well. A driver is always good to have because you want to have somebody that can actually go from point A to point B or take somebody somewhere if they need to go somewhere. Uh, you don't want one of these other roles 
being the driver and then they have to leave. And then you have a problem because that person who fills another role isn't there. And a person with a first aid certification is always good um, because you want to make sure that they know what they're doing. If there's something that, you know, somebody needs CPR or somebody needs, you know, an, an EpiPen, whatever. Uh, you need somebody that actually has some knowledge on that. Um, and you want to make sure that one person is filling these each. You don't want to have somebody filling multiple roles here. And there are more roles that you can have, too, in these kind of events. But these are just some basic ones. Uh, where at a table? Parks and places with high foot traffic. So usually you don't need a permit to go ahead and go into a park and set up a table somewhere. And as people walk by, especially on sunny days or any kind of, you know, beautiful weekend, they'll see you and they might come over and they might learn more about you and what, you know, your organization's about. You can go to, of course, table events we organize. You know, why would we organize an event if we weren't trying to get our stuff out? Uh, and we need to really stress this. Uh, we should never do counter to this, but we need to make sure that the events that we table at that we attend are the ones that we get permission from the organizers to table at. And that's before the event. Uh, you need to reach out to the organizers, uh, give them a little heads up about the organization you're trying to have table there. And you need to get actual permission from them to be able to table because it is highly frowned upon to show up at, at an event that's not yours that you don't have permission to table at and start handing out stuff. Um, that's not who we are. And when you get permission from the organizers, you can build a coalition with them, which is also the really good thing about that. And when you're setting up and manning a table, you want to arrive early enough to set up by the start time of the event. There's enough time that we can set everything up, get all of our propaganda laid out, and have it ready to go by the time our start point is. Uh, you want to bring a decent-sized portable table and a few chairs. You need to be able to spread out all your information. You don't want to look like a dirty desk. Uh, you want people to be able to see everything that you're giving out. And you want to spread it all out on the table. Uh, attaching a banner to the front of your table and having it near. And when it comes to attaching a banner, um, sometimes if you bring zip ties, you can easily go ahead and attach it to the table. Um, sometimes if there's little... Uh, mechanisms where you fold it up, that's a really good place to go ahead and put a zip tie. And you want to engage with those who walk by that look interested. It doesn't take that much effort at all to reach out to somebody that you see walking by and go, hi, are you interested in looking at what we have? Are you interested about our organization? Uh, don't be pushy about it. Uh, be polite. If they don't want to, don't pressure them. Say, have a nice day. But you want to be able to engage with those uh, that are out and around you when you're tabling or else why are you out there if you're not trying to get people to your organization or to your movement. And now we have an example. Uh, given the previous scenario involving the rent increase, consider the following. Where would you post flyers and how could you use all three methods of distribution to complement each other? And so we'll go ahead and Stop for another round of questions and, and comments. Okay. I'm glad we're talking about this. Let me give you personal experience. Wagner College, Staten Island. Picture this. I was about 18, 19, 20 at the time. I think it was 1968. It's 1968. It was my first or second year in college. They had Marines come to recruit U.S. Marines. 
we set up a counter recruiting table. It's basically opposite what they were doing. It was our college campus. We paid money to go to this school. We felt the Marines had no right even to be there asking for people to join their machine so they can go to Vietnam and kill peasants that they didn't even know. So we set up an alternative account the recruiting table and we were very successful. So I'm giving you examples of what we actually did. Number two, occupied Europe. 1940, 1941. What did the people do in those countries who were against the occupation? Who hated, who hated the fascist government. They distributed literature quietly under the cover. They went around the village, the town, the cities, and they put anti-Nazi flyers and literature all over the paper. Nobody knew they were doing it. If they were caught, they would have been killed. We can look at it that way if we want. So each one of us has to be a soldier in occupied fascist society. And our job is to get the word out. That's all. Thank you. Thank you, Carmen. Yeah, I'm so happy that we're touching on this topic. I'm a very experienced organizer, got years of experience in uh, a lot of the stuff that we're touching on. What I want to add to what we were uh, what we were covering on tabling which is kind of the same thing about, you know, your approach as well. If you want to try to interest someone in what you are trying to promote them, you have to have a pre-made script of how you're going to greet them in your head. You can, autom- you can go with a basic of, hi, would you be interested in the party of communist USA, da, 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 you know, that kind of thing. Another thing to that is you always got to give out the full name. People are not going to know what PCUSA means. In terms of tabling, my only additions to what we covered would be, I would recommend investing in industrial-sized spring clamps. They're plastic. You can utilize them to put a banner on the front and hold that banner in place and reuse those same clamps every time you pop up a table. Um, And alongside that is invest in a table mat, uh, a, a table cover. That way it fancies the table up and it gets people to uh, approach you a little bit easier instead of having kind of just your standard bland foldable table. Thank you, comrade. And another addition I wanted to give to uh, tabling is a good thing to bring with you, especially if you're in a windy area like a coastal city, um, especially if you're on the West Coast. And I know from experience, you want to be able to bring paperweights. Sometimes that can just be rocks that you bring in a little basket and you go ahead and put rocks on your stuff. Sometimes they can be painted rocks that draws people in. Or it can just be stuff like if you actually find a, an actual like paperweight, something that's metal that you put over your uh, stuff. Because the worst feeling I've ever had during tabling is when everything that's on my table flies up into the air and we've got to scramble to get everything and put it back and some things get dirty. And so you want to be able to have paperweights so that your stuff doesn't get lost. Okay. So earlier I touched up on how a common point, talking point from conservatives for uh, the biggest issues they have with the U.S. government is how they send soldiers overseas to die in wars, and then they return and they're uh, in poverty. Now, the, connect, the connecting piece they don't realize is the imperialist aspect of these wars, and I feel like that could be brought up with them for potential uh, propaganda point. That's all. Thank you for that, comrade.
Uh, I think some of our fu- fundamental problems is that uh, the North uh, American so- society as a whole, you know, the, the class formations, cultural formations, and uh, intelligentsia formations, I think it is at, at the highest uh, level of decline after the war, uh, endless wars in Asia, in Latin America and stuff. So I think the Biden administration is, uh, is an imposter, basically, because he does not have any support by the balance of forces in the United States. The only areas that we have uh, to concentrate on is the working class movement, and especially the industrial proletariat as the most advanced uh, advanced vanguard of uh, a new society. So I think uh, the Biden administration and his collective, they are trying to show that uh, the United States is still a potent and uh, strong uh, imperialist power, but it's in decline because the, even the American exceptionalism, the American dream of the apple pie is in decline. The majority of the American people are in poverty. Senior citizens, about 10 million Americans are live in, in a state of hunger. 11 million or 13 million children living in a state of hunger. And, uh, and the country is trying to show that they can go to a full-scale war with China and Russia, I think that's a big bluff. It's not going to work. Thank you. Thank you for that, comrade. Um, hi, yeah, whenever you're doing tabling, it, it, if you're doing it around a certain issue, do you want to keep most of your literature directed around that issue, or do you want to have, a, like, a variety? Thank you. Yeah, uh, I'll speak from my experience here. It's usually best want to just have the issue at hand. Um, if it's a really specific issue, like if you go to a Roe v. Wade rally, um, best thing to do is to just have whatever thing that's uh, related to reproductive rights or women's rights uh, out there. Um, but sometimes if it's just a kind of progressive event that's just general, like anti-war, just general women's rights or whatever, uh, you can bring some other stuff in. Like if you want to bring something from another mass organ or you want to bring in some sort of document that's not necessarily on that issue, but you want to have whatever the issue is on, whatever propaganda you have on that, in the front foremost. You want to be able to have it be the first thing that somebody sees, that way they're picking that up, and then they might look beyond that and go, oh, wow, oh, what's MPD? Oh, wow, I'm going to go ahead and look at this issue too. Um, And and another thing too, uh, before I go on, Another good thing to have at the table that I didn't mention there is a donation jar or a donation can or whatever, some a tissue box. It doesn't matter what you put it in, but just something that says donations so that if somebody sees your stuff and likes your stuff, they can go give you a dollar or something. That might not seem like much, uh, but it adds up. And speaking from experience, if you're in a kind of petty bourgeois area and you're doing some uh, tabling, like if you're at a park and they see what you're doing, Sometimes they'll think you're a charity. And so they'll go ahead and give you $20 because they just have it to give. And, you know, we'll use it. You know, it, even if it's from Petty Boars Watts, it's money that we can use. So. Okay. So with my experience with tabling, um, an effective strategy is uh, if you can get like a petition, we got it and, you know, we, people passing by, we say, hey, we got this petition that we're trying to get people to sign. And usually that's a good 
entryway into getting people to involved because a lot of people really like signing petitions. I mean, if you're in a really liberal area, uh, people are very big on signing petitions. And then from there, then you can kind of reel it in and start talking about your who you are, you know, who, your chapter, this and that, uh, distribute some literature. So, yeah, I just kind of wanted to say that. Um, but it really depends on the area. Thank you. Thank you, comrade. I wanted to uh, add a couple things. Uh, first of all, uh, there's a third method of uh, propaganda distribution, and that's just direct uh, distribution of leaflets, um, especially in a crowded area, and especially if, if the issue is very hot and you want to get everybody to start talking about it. You can distribute 500 leaflets, 200 leaflets, 100, uh, 100 leaflets, and you'll have everybody in your area talking about what's on the leaflet and what the issue is. So that's uh, that's another important important method of, of distribution of getting the word out. Um, the second thing is that in tabling, I strongly recommend, and I know some people are not going to like this, but I strongly recommend that you have an American flag nearby because that will help neutralize a lot of the community antagonism towards people agitating about an issue in their area. So I'd strongly recommend having that. The third thing I wanted to mention is, is uh, something you said, is that conservatives, some conservatives will move towards fascism. I think you might have that backwards. Um, Hitler and Mussolini called themselves socialists. They called themselves national socialists. Uh, I think you'll find that fascism often comes from the left. And so uh, don't assume that that your local neighborhood, Rand Paul or somebody like that is going to become a fascist. Thank you, sir. Thank you, comrade. Yes, I want to second this comrade here about the American flag. OK, so uh, what we did, it was on May 1st, 2021. We, of course, we asked. Angelo first, but we took the American flag to our march, along with all the other flags. And uh, what we did was in San Jose, California. And majority, like 90%, were uh, Mexicans and uh, Filipinos, Pinoes. And everybody accepted, and not only that, they really liked the fact that we were showing American flag. Nobody at all said anything bad, okay? And since then, we always do. We always take American flag together with our red flag, with our um, uh, North Korean flag, you name it, you know, to where the places we go. And nobody ever has said anything. It's a good idea. That's all, comrade. Yeah. And uh, briefly, before we go back to the reading, too, when it comes to bringing an American flag to something, I think the only thing where you'll have people getting mad at you about bringing an American flag is if you're going to something that's anarchist and let's not go to things that are anarchists. Um, that's not the place where we should be. We've had bad experiences with that. So let's avoid that. Talking to people during the distribution. So what you wanna do, you wanna focus only on the issue being discussed. So if we're going to an LGBT plus event, uh, you wanna talk about LGBT plus issues. Uh, you don't wanna drag in what's happening with a railroad strike or what's happening you know, with immigration, uh, unless it's intersectional and there's a reason to bring it up or you know, that conversation gets to that point, try to just focus only on the issue being discussed and don't try to deviate or bring up things that aren't part of what you're doing. 
and find common ground and build from there. You don't want to be the contrarian to people. You don't want to be argumentative. You want to find something that, you know, unifies you with another person or with a group of people. And you want to go ahead and go from there and try to build a good relationship and try to uh, get them interested uh, in what you're distributing. Uh, you want to remain calm and respectful. You know, uh, pardon my French, but don't be an asshole. People don't like that. It's going to turn people off if you're angry or if you're rude or even if you're pushy. You know, people do appreciate respectfulness and they do appreciate kindness. And we should be professional as communists when we're out here doing this work. So remain calm and respectful and politely ask if they're interested. And we went over that. If they come by, say, hey, are you interested in what we have to distribute? If they say, sure, go ahead and bring them in and get them, you know, all the propaganda they need. Uh, if they're not interested, let them go on their day and have have a good day or, you know, bless you or whatever you want to go ahead and say. But, you know, don't be pushy about it. Don't preach. You want to go ahead and go at their level, at their pace. Um, you don't want to go ahead and start acting like you're somehow higher than them or that you're, you know, that you're the right one. Uh, you want to be able to actually have a good, good faith conversation with somebody. Uh, don't be pushy. Uh, we went over that. And don't assume the intelligence or the position of others. Just because somebody looks like a conservative doesn't mean they are a conservative. Just because somebody may look like an anarchist doesn't mean they're an anarchist. Just because somebody may look like X, Y, or Z doesn't mean they're X, Y, or Z. You know, ideology and the positions and intelligence that people has isn't defined by their aesthetic or their appearance. Um, so, you know, talk to people like they're people, like they're human beings just like you. Hopefully they don't assume your intelligence or position either. And then what you want to have a good elevator pitch. Most people do have short attention, especially when they're not particularly interested in an issue. So effective direct propaganda distribution requires that you got to sell yourself, your organization and the ideology being promoted in 30 seconds. You should be able to be able to convey what you're trying to say uh, without stumbling over it. Uh, relatively quickly, uh, rather than somebody thinking that you just got started with this today, and then they're not going to take you very seriously when you're out there. And and if you do fail, if you do stumble over something, you know, whatever, the show must go on, you say, I'm sorry, and you just go ahead and keep talking to them about what you're distributing. Try to practice it beforehand, is what I would tell you on that. Practice talking points with your comrades. Uh, draw from the program and the propaganda being distributed. Uh, you don't want to do a word for word reading off of your brochure. But if you're going out there and you're doing something for the people school, say, this is the people school of Marxist Leninist studies, you give them the same sort of pitch that I gave at the beginning of the school. And then you go ahead and go, here's our brochure, you can see, you know, where you sign up, you can see this, that or the other. And then you go ahead and you let them decide what they want to do and be on their day. And now we're going to go to another questions and comments section uh, to practice your elevator pitch. And so I'll take whatever questions or comments you may have. Uh, but one thing that might be good for us to do here is to try and put into words what you might give as an elevator pitch for something. Or ask a question as to what you think you want as advice for what to bring up in an elevator pitch. So we'll go ahead and take these hands here. 
Yeah, my question is like, if I wanted to go tabling, like, what would you suggest the minimum amount of people I should bring with me? I mean, obviously, I shouldn't go alone. Bare minimum amount that you should always have for tabling is two. Don't go alone. But in my experience, four to five people is generally a good minimum for tabling um, because that's going to be enough people that you can delegate roles to all these people that they fill and nobody else fills that role and they don't fill any other roles. They have one role. And then also it helps because when you do have somebody out there that's giving the elevator pitch to people, when they get to the end of that and they say, oh, if you're interested in this, go to this person. And then they lead them to whoever is sitting at the table that goes, oh, well, we've got this, we've got this, we've got this. That way you're not having to take you know, your time away from getting more people interested to go, oh, okay, get done with your elevator pitch. And then you have to lead them through everything that's on the table and more people walk by that you could have got uh, the interest of. So that's what I would say on that. Hello. Uh, the, the question I have, uh, if I was to make a delivery, let's say for a movement for people's democracy because they're interested in tenants' rights. Uh, what, uh, what would be the best way of, of building that? So, yeah, one of the examples that was being brought up when we were looking at what you want to tailor your propaganda to is there being a rent increase uh, and, you know, a tenant struggle uh, with landlords and how you would utilize propaganda. So, of course, uh, you might want to just go in first with something that's educational that talks about rent increases or that talks about maybe something that mentions just how much the landlord gets compared to what you actually work to achieve in your job, something like that. It, you know, you, it might be at the point where people are in the know about this problem enough that you could agitate and do a call to action and try to uh, get that formulated. Uh, but you want to always just be aware of what the situation is like around you and what you're dealing with. Uh, you don't want to be too radical with it. And at the same time, people are heated about it and people are actually uh, agitated. Uh, you want to go ahead and tailor it to that. So I hope that that answered your question, comrade. Yeah. So real quick, there was a lot that was kind of touched on on uh, what we were talking about there for a sec. And what I really want to like highlight in is the topic of elevator pitch. Cause it is very much true. Most people have very, very short attention spans when, you know, you're trying to pique their interest, you have to sell them based on people judge almost immediately when they, gr when they come across you based on how you talk, how you, how you dress, how you act. So you need to kind of grab their attention immediately. So when you're talking about these complex topics, I would recommend because I had to do it. And, you know, you're going to stumble and you're going to struggle throughout your years of doing this until you really start to master your craft. But what I would recommend is just practicing how to break down these concepts in your head and how to sell them in a more modern English to, uh, to everyday Americans. The um, uh, Say, for example, when I'm talking to somebody about what socialism is, I just tell them 
Well, based on how our modern society is, our modern, our modern country is based around private individuals, small group of people who have dominant control over everything that we do in our daily lives. Socialism is the workers' control of not only their personal lives, but their economic lives. They have a say in their job. They have a say in their country. Thank you, comrade. Uh, really quickly, uh, before we go to the two hands that are up, uh, since these comrades have already spoken, I want to take some time to uh, call on a couple of comrades who have not spoke yet in this class. Um, so if I call on you and you really don't have anything to say on this class, just go ahead and say pass. Um, but we do encourage you to go ahead and give your thoughts, whatever they may be, on this class tonight. All right. Yeah, I really think that the information covered in this class is very useful because it's important to not just talk about socialism and Marxism, Leninism and everything, but to actually put it into words that regular people can understand and explain concepts well. Um, also, I really like the PowerPoint format of these lectures. It makes it easier to pay attention, take notes and all that good stuff. So yeah, that's all I really have to say. Thank you, comrade. Um, very, very good practical uh, information. I didn't know about wheat paste. I always get in those old movies. So that's the first thing I'm going to look up once I get some stuff printed. Always good information. Thank you, comrades. Okay. And also, the fourth section that we're going to have before we wrap up tonight uh, is going to be a couple of videos on wheat pasting. Uh, luckily, we'll, we will have some stuff that's kind of instructional on that. Uh, I'll go ahead and call on two more people uh, from the class to see what they thought about it tonight. I think it's just important. I've uh, saved some of those slides, actually, because I have some problems with some of those sometimes. Since, you know, being I'm being, you know, neurodivergent and being mm -hmm. you know kind of trapped at home a lot. So, yeah, I think it's a good class. Thank you, comrade. I think if, this is the most important uh, lesson I drew tonight is... Uh, the discussion about uh, approaching the ordinary people, the working class, and uh, the nationalists, and the so-called people who believe they are American patriots, and they who believe uh, who they are loyal to the flag. I think uh, Comrade Angelo, a long time ago during the Congress, indicated that the flag is a very important part of all revolutions. All working classes have nations. They they have uh, countries, they have national origins. So I think the flag must always be there. Even the proletariat has a country. The petit bourgeois has a country. The entire, you know, all of us have countries. So we have to really have the flag. And uh, the very important component I, I learned is about persuasion. We do not have to force our ideas because we are advanced uh, intellectuals. And we can get very frustrated sometimes, you know, because the ordinary people, uh, you know, they do not even know much about socialism. So I think our strategy must be that of Lenin. Lenin always said that we have to persuade people. We cannot force them. So that must be a very important uh, uh, universal principle we have to abide by. Thank you. Thank you, Comrade. All right. Uh, we'll go ahead and go uh, to this fourth section now. So what I want to say about the uh, making wheat paste is you want to be careful about the consistency, like the density of it. 
Um, sometimes if you just go ahead and make straight wheat paste and you don't add in any kind of like uh, glue or something that, you know, kind of thins it out, you can end up with clumps of wheat uh, sticking onto your poster and covering up stuff. Looks like somebody threw wet bread at your poster or something. Um, and you don't want to have that. You want your poster to be readable uh, and you want all the gunk to be off of it. So just keep that in mind when it comes to the density. And also you can usually just go ahead and put the wheat paste into something like a Tupperware container and then just go ahead and put it in the bottom of a paper bag so it's nice and uh, hidden away. You don't have to have it right out in the open. And then you just go ahead and take, you know, a brush like this doesn't have to be quite this big, but a brush like this and you dip it in it. And then you go ahead and do the wheat pasting and we'll have the video to show you just exactly how that's done. But first I want to go ahead and acrylic coating that they put on some of their wheat paste posters. So I'll go ahead and show this video real quick. I got this clear coat of acrylic, right? Um, just to add like a protective layer. Uh, and what we do is we spray onto the colored posters so that way they don't fade. Uh, from the elements, you know, sun and stuff like that. I mean, it's not going to make them permanent or nothing, but they're going to last a little bit longer. And then they have like a nice little protective layer on top. Let it dry and then they'll be good to go. All right. So that was the first video just showing you, you can put that liquid acrylic on it and it goes ahead and keeps it safe from the elements. Uh, the next video is on stenciling. So now we're gonna, we're gonna paint it directly onto the poster. So what you wanna do is make sure that it's nice and centered, nice and straight. You know, you got it in the middle, you know, where you want it. And then what you're gonna do is, you're gonna just give a quick spray. You don't wanna do too, too much. You don't wanna sit there and try to fill it in because it's gonna drip and it's gonna mess up. So you give a nice quick spray on it. And you let it sit for just a couple seconds because it's wet and then pull it off quick. With this cardboard on top to protect what we just did. So that way there's no offshoot from the spray, okay? Now, you do want it to sit a little bit um, flat on there. So I'm gonna put a weight because I have the camera in my other hand. Or usually I would just use my hand. Okay. Okay. okay, let it sit for a second as well. And then pull it off quick when you're ready to pull off. Bam. Now that's super easy to do. And with one can of paint, I don't know, I could do maybe 50 or 100. I'm not sure. I haven't wasted a whole can yet. Um, so you can do a lot. Right. You put it to the side, let it dry. Okay. Just like the rest. All right. I have one last video going out and putting up a poster with wheat paste. Goes ahead and shows you how it's done, uh, how simple it is, and kind of the paper bag thing that I had talked about as well. So here's that video. All right, comrades. So um, we're gonna make a video real quick, just showing you like where is okay to put posters and stuff like that, you know, how to kind of go about it, just nice and easy, smooth, you know, don't look too suspicious. We've got paper bag right here. 
essentially you want a two-man mission be better you don't want too many people and one person is good but you know it can also get kind of tricky so um two people will be good um one person has paper bag inside the paper bag we have uh, a tupperware you'd fill it up with more glue depending on you know how many posters you're going to do um i have two tupperwares because the other one i have just the brush sitting in this one is to get the glue okay um the other person is going to have a bag with posters in it all right here's some posters comrade so we have a few posters here and the way you do it is you know you find somewhere you park and from there you just walk around in the blocks so many blocks whatever you know you figure out your route and then you get back to the car The other comrade puts the poster on it. And then you go back over with more glue. Okay. Do it quicker than that. This is just. That's it, comrade. That's how we do it. All right. All right. And now you, comrades, see how that's done, how simple it is, how you can just go out uh, with that kind of paper bag, have the brush, just slop up a little bit of lease paint on the, you know, electrical box or whatever have you that you're putting it up on, slap that propaganda up there, put another coat on it, and walk on to the next one. Uh, it's, it's really just as simple as that. Um, and don't be, like I said earlier, don't be suspicious about it. Don't go out in the middle of the day wearing all black, looking around and, you know, just go up, slap it up, go on, just act like it's, it's normal. And also another thing that was brought up in Tuesday's class that nobody's brought up here, but that I'll go ahead and address is, yes, doing something like wheat posting or putting out different propaganda in different ways can be scary, uh, can be risky even. Um, it is, you know... I guess like putting chalk somewhere, it could be considered vandalism or littering, but just be smart about it. Um, a lot of what we do as communists isn't exactly uh, looked at favorable in the eyes of the law. Um, but as communists, we need to be prepared to take risks and do what's necessary to get our message out there. So, you know, don't do anything stupid. Uh, don't do anything that's going to get you arrested or get you killed. Um but also we do need to get this stuff out there. We do need to get out into the streets. And something that I said on Tuesday that I want to echo here is if you can't go out and do some wheat pasting, put some flyers, in it, just do some simple stuff like propaganda distribution. Uh, how are you going to be part of the vanguard leading the revolution? You know, we're going to have to go through stressful days and we're going to have to do stressful things. Uh, if we can power through it and get it done, then we can see great things happen. Um, so I'll go ahead and take a brief last round of questions and comments. Uh, go ahead and try to keep it to 90 seconds for time. Um, and then we'll go ahead and do a couple of things before we wrap up. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, uh, I said this in the chat last uh, or on Tuesday, but Halloween would be a good time to get out stickers. You know, kids love stickers and you just uh, take the candy and put the sticker with it and drop it in their bag and their parents will eventually see it. So just an idea for the holiday. Yeah. And, and I mean, even 
even uh, if you don't want to put stickers on candy or whatnot, uh, going out and putting up some flyers before Halloween and then all the parents are out walking their kids as they're trick-or-treating, they see something like the people school. Uh, they're sure to look at it twice and maybe even take a picture of it and they might get interested. Yeah, so I like the idea. I'm not against wheat pasting. I just personally am not experienced with it. What I am experienced in is more along the lines of stickers and small propaganda that you can be able to tape up to polls. I more so lean into that regard, mainly because when it comes to stickers, you can get a bunch of them and they're they're stupid easy. But with small propaganda, if you know how to organize propaganda into say for example a word document and get a bunch of them uh on a single sheet printed out in mass you can be able to really uh mass produce the type of content you're trying to put out there take them take some normal clear boxing tape scotch tape basically any kind of really durable high quality like clear tape tape it up to poles and what that tape will do is when the heat gets exposed to it, it'll increase uh, basically its stickiness to the pole, making it a little bit harder to take off. But it will also add a protection from the, uh, the elements. The only thing you really would have to worry about when it comes to something along those lines is just really just how heavy the rain decides to come down. Thank you, comrade. And one of the things, too, that I've known uh, that people have done with uh, flyers and, and stickers and stuff to make them a little bit more durable in the rain is to uh, cover them up with some sort of clear tape or some sort of lamination method, uh, spraying the acrylic on them like we showed. Uh, that can make your stuff more durable because especially, I mean, this is stuff that we have to take into consideration out in the Pacific Northwest where, you know, you've got two seasons, sun and rain, um, it seems like. And so, yeah. Make sure that you uh, try your best to weatherproof your stuff. Thank you for that, comrade. Yep, thank you. I just wanted to quickly actually offer my services to anybody who needs it or doesn't have it. If you need a customized stencil or like a, a phrase that you know you can't quickly Google, get my email for most of the uh, school work that I do. And I'll be more than happy to draw up a nice, clean stencil for you that you can then cut out. So that's all I'm offering there. Thank you. Thank you, comrade. Uh, that's really nice of you. And yeah, uh, if possible, we'll try to get those out uh, soon. Uh, that way uh, we can go ahead and get those in the, the hands of some people. Uh, and uh, really quickly, I just want to read uh, from the chat. This is one of uh, their favorite classes because it shows theory and practice in action. And they thought the use of videos was really helpful. And yeah, we want to do that here in the school. You know, in the past, a lot of our people's school classes uh, have been on either current events, our history, or our ideology. And sometimes our praxis, our tactics, strategy, that stuff gets left to the side when really we should be talking about how we're going to use our ideology, how we're going to use our, our history and what's happening in the present the practice that we do in our real lives and in the streets. If we just take in all this knowledge and then don't use it, it's worthless. But if we do go ahead and use it, and we do get out in the street and we do real things to bring working class people into our movement, then it means that it's actually worth what we're doing. And I hope too that this class and the classes like this on things that we do in the real world 
uh, will motivate comrades to get out there and do some of that stuff. Um, we can provide uh, people school flyers that people can put up. But, you know, if you want to go ahead and put up these kind of flyers, uh, it'd be a really good idea to do that. We really do need to get a lot of our propaganda published publicly so that people can just go ahead and get it, print it, and put it up. Thank you all very much for coming and have a good night, comrades.